Warning, today's story is rated X for profanity, sexual situations, and other subject matter some may find offensive that can be inferred from the title. Escape Pod 39 February 2nd, 2006 Today's story, My Friend is a Lesbian Zombie, by O.J. Foster. Hi, welcome to Escape Pod. I'm Steve Ely, and happy Imbolc. I'm on a mission today to promote a new word that I coined about a week ago. It's a word that describes those ugly web pages you run across that consist of nothing but links to other pages. You know the ones I'm talking about. You do a perfectly innocent search on, say, clothespins, and you click the top link because it says your number one clothespin site, and what you get is a big white screen with tiny blue links to clothespin banking and clothespin porn and Nigerian clothespin scams. Half those links don't actually lead to whatever it is they describe, and the other half freak you out too much to check. I believe the accepted term for these pages is link farm, but I think that's too positive. Farms are good things in our society. They grow food, they create value. These pages have negative value. If they didn't exist, those same spots in the search results would be occupied by whatever it is you were actually looking for. They form a slimy surface on big patches of the web, where they subsist on tiny bits of revenue from the atmosphere. So I submit to you the word web fungus. That's one compound word, W-E-B-F-U-N-G-U-S. I'm not sure why web fungus bothers me so much. It actually annoys me more than spam, even though it's less talked about. Spam's a passive irritant. It's just one more line item in my inbox. I hit a button, it goes away. But web fungus is insidious. It jumps out at you when you're expecting something better. I'm browsing along, I'm trying to actively find something, and suddenly I'm stuck in this bog of links, and I have to back out and find some kind of path around it. Too often, that second path just leads to more web fungus. There's not too much I can do about the existence of parasites on the web. But maybe, just maybe, with an uglier name, with a little more condemnation, people will be a little bit more aware of them. And then the next clever plug-in or search engine developer can come up with something better we can do about it. If I can search next year and find 10,000 hits on the word web fungus, I'll know that I'll have made the world, if not better, then at least a little more discriminating. Our story today is also about being not so much better, but rather dealing with the situation one's in. We present My Friend is a Lesbian Zombie by Yuji Foster. Ms. Foster's appeared here before with her story The Life and Times of Penguin, our reading of which has since been featured in Jason Rennie's excellent sci-fi show as an examination of the problem of evil. And it had cute balloons in it. Ms. Foster lives here in Atlanta with her husband and her pet skunk. She has a master's degree in psychology, and she's been at various times a programmer, a librarian, an activist, a model, and is the managing editor of the review magazine Tangent, and assistant editor of the new SF humor market The Town Drunk. I've met her a couple of times now, and she really is as cool as she sounds. The story is read for us today by The Word Whore, from my other favorite short fiction podcast, Air Out My Shorts. I have at one point heard Air Out My Shorts described as a dirtier, drunken version of Escape Pod, and funnier, too. I can't argue with that, except I think it's equally possible that we're the sober, overly prudish version of Air Out My Shorts. In any case, we're pleased to have her here with us this week. 
It's cool to hear what she sounds like doing a straight reading. Well, you know what I mean. And before we explore that any further, it's story time. My Friend is a Lesbian Zombie by Yuji Foster I had a horny lesbian zombie in my bed, and I'm straight as a beanpole, and no necrophile, not by a long shot. Okay, technically Mandy's bi, but being dead pretty much kiboshed all the technicalities on sexual orientation. And the distinction didn't make much of an impact on me, since, the way I see it, her hardware and mine are straight up incompatible. Bottom line, I was completely uninterested in reevaluating my sexuality or doing the nasty with one of the walking dead. I don't know how it happened. I'm the last person I'd go to if I were a zombie. I'm not into the occult thing at all. But I was the only friend she had in this city, so she came to me with her sob story. Lucky me. So there she was, kicked back in my bed, having herself a good long cry. And I was stuck with her, wondering how long until she began stinking. That was really unfair of me, I know. But there was a goddamn walking, talking corpse snuggled up in my good sheets. And I was a little concerned about it. I didn't blame her, though. Terrence was the asshole here, the psycho. He picked up Mandy a couple of weeks ago on the quad. He seemed real nice the couple of times we all hung out. But hey just goes to show that you can't trust strangers. He did the serial killer thing with her, wined and dined her up real nice, and then strangled her while they were making out in his bedroom. Mandy wasn't real clear on the details after that, and that's perfectly understandable, since she was dead at the time. But she came to, horny as hell and royally pissed off, with some old black woman with lots of beads and bones and stuff chanting and shimmying over her. The voodoo mama told her to seek out her despoiler to consummate their union or some shit like that, and then sent her off. Mandy found herself walking up to Terence's place again, hornier than a 13-year-old boy at a strip club, and realized that she just didn't want to fuck the bastard. Tool of vengeance, or whatever. She was completely not into doing Terence, no matter what way the poetic justice-a-meter swung. That's when she showed up at my door. She looked weird when I saw her, covered in mud and really pale, and her eyes were all funky. Mandy's eyes were a pretty cornflower blue when she was alive, but when I checked her out at my door, they were this pale, almost translucent color, washed out and faint, and the pupils were nothing but little pinpoints of black. I thought she was tripping on some bad shit. She was crying and shaky so I let her in. That's when she told me her story, sobbing and dripping mud all over my white carpet and new couch. I got her to take a shower when she was done, although I think she thought I was coming on to her when I suggested it. And I loaned her one of my t-shirts while I tossed her clothes in the washer. She's four inches shorter than me, and about twenty pounds lighter, with bigger tits even. How unfair is that? So my jeans didn't do her much good but I thought I could scrounge up a pair of drawstring sweats later if I needed to. I left her sniffling in my bedroom until I was sure she had all of her parts covered up decent-like. I grabbed a new box of Kleenex and headed on in. Hey, baby doll, feel any better? Mandy nodded, her damp, blonde hair plastered against her face. 
I sat down beside her and pushed the lank, soggy mass back, touching her cheek on accident. She was freezing cold, and her skin was heavy and stiff as vinyl. Jeez, girl, you're freezing. I saw tears forming up again around her spookily clear red-rimmed eyes. I'm not freezing, she wailed. That's the problem. I can't feel a thing. And she buried her face in my ruined pillow. I hastily handed her a tissue, and then the whole box, all of the time cursing myself for being a tactless fool. But hey, this was the first time I've had to deal with a zombie. What'd you expect? She took the Kleenex and started weeping and sobbing all over again. I put an arm around her. It was like hugging a side of beef, cold and stiff, and pulled the pillow away. She didn't notice the missing pillow and just started crying on my shoulder instead. Good thing I was wearing workout clothes when she came by. Do zombie tears stain? It'll be okay, I said. Don't you go blaming yourself. It's all that bastard Terrence is doing. We'll set you right. How? How, Dana? I, I'm a walking corpse. And all I want to do is fuck someone. I felt her slide a stiff hand down my back, and goosebumps broke out in their wake. I don't know, but we'll think of something. I edged away before her hand could start roaming somewhere I really didn't want it to. She looked up at me. I think I was getting used to her eyes, because they didn't unnerve me as much. Really? Yeah, sure. And I won't have to fuck that asshole? Of course not. Just because you're dead doesn't mean you lose the right to say no. She gave me a little smile, and I wished that she hadn't. Her gums were a sickly white color, and her teeth looked yellow and dirty. Trying not to let her see how freaked her appearance and her touch was making me, I stood up. The first thing we gotta do is find that voodoo chick who whammied you, and get the lowdown on your condition. Don't you think I should see a doctor? Or, or go to the police? Mandy, honey, I hate to throw this back in your face, but you're a zombie. You got no pulse. You got no heartbeat. Your blood's beginning to coagulate and you ain't breathing. That walking undead creature of the night gig? It's not really a doctor-cop sort of thing, you know? I was afraid that she was going to start crying again, but she just hiccuped and nodded. I couldn't figure out how she could speak much less ball her eyes out, without breathing. But she was doing it. We'd done the first aid vital signs check on her when she first showed up, like how they showed me in my lifeguard training. And she didn't have any. So now what? She said. That was an awfully good question. Wished I had an answer for it, so she'd quit staring at me with those whacked-out eyes. Well, uh, do you have an idea who the voodoo chick was? Can you describe her at all? Mandy shook her head. I never saw her before in my life, and it was dark. I told you everything I remember already. That's okay, I said quickly. Mandy looked unstable again, like she might just start up with the tears if I didn't get her mind off it. Had she been this flighty when she was alive, or was it a zombie thing? Tell you what, why don't we check out the scene of the deed? and see if we can't round up some clues. Mandy perked up, and a more upbeat glimmer sparked in her translucent eyes. It helped. Oh, okay. Her clothes weren't dry yet, 
so I found a pair of stretch pants that didn't bag too much on her and loaned her a sweatshirt. A little bit of makeup helped her unnatural pallor, and a pair of retro blue hippie shades did a good job of covering up her eyes. She was a little fuzzy on the details about where exactly she came to, but knew roughly where it was. The flashing lights in the ambulance guided us the rest of the way. The cops at the scene looked bored and didn't mind being talkative. Apparently some old black woman had a heart attack and bit the big one. The cop laughed when he told me, saying that the old bag lady, she had gobs of all this kooky stuff like bones and charms and shit, had the funniest expression on her face, really happy and astonished like. We slipped away before anyone could notice how weird Mandy looked. Near as I could figure it, the old voodoo mama stroked out pretty quickly after raising Mandy. I wondered if voodoo magic is really hard on a body, or if the old chick was just so tripped out at actually bringing Mandy back that her ticker blew. Either way, it didn't help us out. Maybe we can find some other experts or something, I said once we got back to my place. Mandy looked really down, and I was running out of Kleenex. There's loads of alternative religious groups on campus, I continued. Maybe one of them can help us out. Like the Unitarians? Mandy was never the sharpest nail in the tool shed. Sorta. I was thinking more like the Wiccans or the Pagans. I pulled out the university directory and flipped to the student organization section. I didn't even bother with the political groups. As much as the Republicans remind me of zombies, I was betting they didn't do voodoo. Okay, here's a progressive cableist and Wiccans united group. That sounds good, don't you think? I guess so. Do they list members? I skimmed the short description. No, but they've got contact people. Here's someone. Summer Lark. Is that a name? I shrugged. Might be a Wiccan title, I suppose. Like treasurer or secretary. And hey, check it out. There's a number. I picked up my cordless handset and dialed. After two rings, someone picked up. Blessed be... This is Summer Lark. It was a name, all right. Summer's voice was all soft and dreamy, like she'd just taken a toke of some really killer weed. Yeah, hi. This is Dana Jackson. We haven't met, but I'm doing some, uh, research on the occult. I found your name in the student directory under the Progressive Cableists and Wiccans United group. The goddess guided you to the right place, Dana. Summer said, her voice all trilly and dripping with honey. There's always room for more neonates interested in the arts. I personally have been a practitioner for 13 years. I've got a tactile focal center, and my dominant element is water. Wow. I tried not to let the sarcasm show in my voice, but she wasn't making it easy on me. I don't usually buy any of that new age shit. Magic rocks and bonfires and all. But then again, I have a zombie sitting on my coverlet. Guess that's a pretty kick-ass argument for the existence of weird shit in the world. So that'd make you an expert on supernatural stuff, right? I said. Oh, definitely. I've seen it all. You wouldn't believe what goes on right under the noses of those who don't have the gift. Yeah, okay, whatever. So what can you tell me about zombies? 
Summer just laughed. <laughs> it was really fake laugh, musical in an off-key atonal way. That might just be a little bit over your head right now. If you're a complete novice, you should probably stick to purification rituals until you learn what your balance is. The thing is, I said, fighting hard not to say what I really wanted to. Her smug know-it-all tone was really ticking me off. I'm in a hurry. My friend just got turned into a zombie, and we need to find out what the deal is. There was a long silence on the other end of the line. Is this a joke? Summer finally said. She sounded impatient with me now. Her sweet little dreamy voice was cold and sharp. Is this someone from NAO? You sick little satanic fucks, just wait till I tell the dean. The crash on the other end as Summer hung up was pretty impressive. Mandy looked at me with her colorless eyes after I put the handset back in the cradle. Well, the bitch hung up on me. Look, baby doll, she was kind of flaky. And by kind of, I mean a lot. Did she say anything about zombies? I sighed. No, but I really don't think she's on the level. I think her and her coven are just some preppy chicks prancing around with incense and crap. Now what? I snagged the student directory again. Summer said something about another group. Thought it was them calling to give her a hard time. If she hates them, they can't be all that bad. What are they called? That's the problem. She called them Nah or Nail. I don't know who they are. Mandy came over to check out the directory with me. I wish she wouldn't do that. Not only do I hate it when people read over my shoulder, but I think she was scoping out my cleavage. Here we go now, I said. The Necromancers Alliance of Occultists. I'm betting this is them. Their initials read NAO. The contact name was a normal one at least, Karina. I called the number and heard the mechanical click of an answering machine pick up. Hello, this is Karina. I'm not home right now. Shit. I cupped my hand over the mouthpiece. I got her machine. What do you want me to do? Leave a message, Mandy whispered. Karina's leave your name and number recording ended with a high-pitched beep. Uh, hi. This is Dana Jackson. I have some questions about the occult. Specifically about supernatural creatures. I was going to say monsters, but I remembered Mandy was listening in. And I was wondering... There was a feedback squeal that made me jerk the phone off my ear. Hello? I heard, tinny and high. I put the phone carefully back to my head. This is Karina, are you still there? Her voice was gravelly and harsh up close, like from someone with a major smoker's cough. Yeah, I'm still with you. Didn't think you were home. I screamed my calls. What can I do for you? I'm looking for some information. Uh, my friend has this problem. It's sort of voodoo occult in nature. Voodoo occult? What sort of voodoo? Is it a curse or spell on her or something like that? Karina sounded eager and excited. I glanced over at Mandy, taking in her freaky eyes under my shades, her pale skin that makeup couldn't hide completely, and the blue-purple color of her lips. Yeah, y you could say that. The thing is, she's dead. A walking around and talking kind of dead. 
I don't know what I expected after I dumped my bombshell, but Karina took it all in stride. Is she with you now? Yeah. Give me your address and I'll be right over. We were getting results now. I didn't know what sort of results, but it was something. I told her where I lived and hung up. In something like 20 minutes, there was a knock on my door. When I went to open it, I saw a chick with a pile of books in her arms. She was wearing a black velvet off-the-shoulder blouse with spiderweb panels in the sleeves and tight black leather pants. When I let her in, I could tell the leather was worn and cracked and had silver studs in the shape of bats down the side. She reeked of stale cigarette smoke. Hi, she said to me, looking hard at Mandy. I'm Karina. Hey, I replied. I'm Dana. This is my friend Mandy. Pleased to meet you. She stepped into my living room and dropped the dusty pile of books on my couch. At least she was nice enough to wipe the mud off her boots. Nice place you have here. Thanks. She turned to Mandy. Without warning, Karina grabbed her hand and turned it over, with her fingers pressed against Mandy's wrist. I hadn't noticed, but Mandy's fingers were white, not just pale, but white like milk white. What are you... Mandy said, surprised. Karina reached up too fast for Mandy or me to react and snatched off the hippie shades. Wow, she said, looking deeply into Mandy's unnaturally pale eyes. You really are undead. Hey, I said, as Mandy fumbled her hand away from Karina and grabbed back the glasses. What do you think you're doing? Karina smiled at me in a distracted, airy sort of way. Sorry, but I had to see for myself. She looks great. So how'd you do it? Do what? Bring her back. Huh? This chick was completely whacked. Karina rolled her eyes. Oh, come off it. What is she, your dead lover? That's it, isn't it? You are tripping, I said. Not only ain't I a voodoo witch, but I'm not gay. There's nothing wrong with being either. Quit talking about me like I'm not here, Mandy said, breaking in. I could hear the tremor in her voice. But before I could do or say anything, a big fat tear rolled down her cheek. Damn it! I fumbled in my pocket for a Kleenex. Karina handed Mandy a black handkerchief with itty-bitty glow-in-the-dark skulls on it. Hey, hey, Karina said, gently wiping away a stray tear from Mandy's face. She didn't flinch away from the feel of Mandy's cold, slack skin. I'm sorry, sweetie. I didn't realize you were sensitive about your state. You shouldn't be. You're lovely. I'm a zombie, Mandy wailed. How can you say that? A zombie? Karina looked taken aback. I thought you were a revenant. A what? I said. A revenant. It's an undead lover that returns from the grave. It's a classic story, very romantic. True love triumphs over death. Everyone lives happily ever after. Karina scrutinized Mandy. A zombie comes back for revenge. They do, the decay and maggots thing. They do, Mandy said, frightened. I will. I just assumed she was going that way. Guess I've seen more Night of the Living Dead movies than Mandy, but I hadn't wanted to bring it up. Well, yeah, Karina said. It's all part of the revenge mojo. You go back to the person who did you wrong and do something really grisly to them. Dripping flesh, rotting bones, the whole nightmare. But I don't want to drip flesh, Mandy whimpered. I don't want to rot. You look real good now, 
Karina looked Mandy up and down. You can't have been dead for more than a few hours. And I don't want to fuck Terrence. What? Now it was Karina's turn to sound confused. That was my cue. Here's the deal, I said. Terrence is this psycho who was dating Mandy. He offed her. Some voodoo chick brought her back from the dead to stalk and screw him for his crimes. And then voodoo chick checks out with a heart attack. Mandy here doesn't want any of that tool of grim justice thing, so came to me for help. I ain't no witch, just a friend. So we're looking for some people who know voodoo to help us out. So you called me. Actually, I called this Summer Lark Chick first. Karina began to laugh. <laughs> Summer Lark? From the PCWU? That bunch of posers wouldn't know a mystic phenomenon if it threw up in Summer's bathroom. I'd sort of guessed that already, I said. But hey, you sound in the know. What's up with that? Karina grinned. I'm an anthropology grad student. I'm doing my dissertation on alternate religions. Voodoo, witches, cults, that sort of thing. I already checked out Summer Lark's crew. I hung around for a bit because Summer's got a pool and I liked checking out the co-ed Wiccan tale. Karina winked at Mandy. But I ditched them as soon as I figured out they really didn't know their asses from God. Made sense. So what's the deal with NAO? That's just a bunch of us who are all interested in the occult. Tracking down sightings and stuff. We gave it an official name and made it a student group to make it legit. <laughs> Mandy snuffled, obviously mollified by Karina's flirting. I could use some tail, she said meekly. But then she slammed her hand against my wall. A big crack and a bunch of smaller ones cobwebbed out from the impact. I hate this. My body's gonna fall apart and all I want to do is fuck. I had visions of my damaged deposit going down the drain. Karina snagged Mandy's hand before she could repeat the gesture and held it to her chest. Careful now, lady. If you abuse yourself, you're gonna fall apart that much faster. I don't care. The faster the better. At least it'll all be over then. But Mandy didn't sound like she meant it. Not the way she was looking into Karina's eyes. I'm sorry, beautiful, but it doesn't work like that. Karina put an arm around Mandy. It takes a powerful summoning to create a zombie. They're really focused on their purpose, or at least they're supposed to be. The zombie doesn't get to check out until the deed gets done. It just keeps decaying and dropping more pieces of itself, slowly losing all ability for thought or reason until it gets the victim. Mandy shuddered. Which means? I think in this case, it means you're going to be an undead, horny zombie, getting hornier and hornier as time goes by until you fuck and ice Terrence. I don't know who brought you back, but she must have had a real strong hate streak against this guy. That'd be easy to see if he strangles his dates on a regular basis, I said. Maybe he put down this voodoo mama's little baby girl. So why didn't she raise her to fix Terrence? Mandy said. Karina looked away. I guessed the answer before she said it. Being a zombie isn't exactly a fun thing. She probably didn't want to put her loved one through it. So she let Terrence do me and raised me instead? That's so cold, 
What am I going to do? Do I have to fuck Terrence? Maybe not, I said. Hey, Karina, this vengeance thing, how specific is it? The rest of it was pretty easy once we knew what the deal was. Mandy knew where Terrence lived, of course. Karina watched for Terrence while we broke in. That was a little touch and go. But fortunately, Terrence's neighbors weren't the nosy type. We scrubbed off Mandy's makeup, ditched the shades, and I helped her get all set up for her big screen before I booked out the house. It was real sweet. I laid Mandy out like an eager young bride in Terrence's bed, propped up pretty on a couple of pillows. Just in time, too. Karina gave us the signal as we were finishing up. Like we planned, she buzzed the cops on her car phone as soon as she saw me slipping out the back. I was actually bummed that I had to miss the grand finale, but the cops finding me in Terrence's room would have messed up our little drama. Terrence was freaked to see Mandy, did a fair share of screaming. I could hear him from clear out in the yard outside. I can just imagine her turning her freaky ass eyes on him and doing the zombie shuffle like we agreed on beforehand maybe even with some old-style Frankenstein arms for good measure. He ran right into the cops when they showed up and gave his full confession right then and there. It was music to my ears, hearing him babble his psycho hat off. I hoped that Mandy was getting an earful, too, especially the part where he was begging and pleading for them to punish him and going on about how sorry he was. Nothing like a pissed-off zombie chick to put the fear of God in a person, I always say. Mandy's corpse was all the evidence the cops needed to top it off. As I suspected, Mandy was a complete natural at playing dead. They took her to the morgue and did an autopsy. That part worried both Karina and me. But we worked on the assumption that since she was dead and couldn't feel anything, the autopsy wouldn't freak her too much. They sewed her up when they were done verifying that she'd been strangled to death and then prepped her for her family. The funeral was rough for all of us. It was hard seeing her folks looking completely ripped apart. They'd lost a daughter, and I knew it wouldn't do them any good for me to tell them Mandy had become a zombie. She looked really fine all laid out for her wake. The undertaker did an A1 job. I kept expecting Mandy to break down and start boo-hooing in her coffin, which would really make for some explaining. But she kept quiet. Just in case, though, I snuck her a Kleenex when I went up to pay my respects. She cracked a sad little smile at me for a second, before turning all stiff again for her public. The next part was something of a scramble. Mandy snuck out after the wake, but before they put the coffin into the ground. We were all wigging about that one. Karina was certain that Mandy had the strength to dig herself out, but neither Mandy nor I were too keen on that. So Mandy just lifted up the lid when no one was around and zipped out the back door of the funeral home, right into Karina's waiting arms. Terrence got put away for life, and Karina and Mandy got together. The undertaker preserved her corpse the way they do, replacing all her defunct bodily fluids with chemicals and shit so she wouldn't decay. Although she does smell like formaldehyde. I assume Karina will get used to it, or maybe it'll fade. Mandy still looks a little weird, but she picked up some mail-order contact lenses and bleached her teeth. I don't know what they're doing about the horny part. There are some things I just don't want to know. 
And that was our story. I can't shake the feeling that there's one hell of a country and western song in there. It's been a really busy couple of weeks here. We got Boing Boinged, and then we got featured on iTunes, and then just yesterday we were on NPR. Life is good. If you're just joining us, welcome, and I hope you enjoy what you hear. We don't always do stories about the homosexual undead. In fact, I think this is just the second time. If you've been here a while, I'd like to call your attention to a couple of changes on our website. One is that we've changed our poll question. We've been bringing some more people onto the Escape Pod team. I'll talk about that very soon. And it's likely that in the near future, we could have the ability to put more content out more regularly. What I'm not sure of is how much content you guys want. So that's the question. Assuming we were technically able to put out more flash fiction each week, more in-depth reviews or genre news or interviews, how often would you like to hear it? Or is this one day each week enough? We know we'll get a lot of different opinions, and we also can't guarantee anything, but we'd like to get a sense for what the majority view is. You can go to escapepod.org and look for the poll on the right. The other thing you'll see is a second PayPal link. Now, as I'm sure you'll never get tired of hearing, we pay our authors for their stories, and then we give away the readings on a Creative Commons license. And we rely on your support to do it. Several people have told us that they'd like to contribute to us more than once, but it's hard to remember to, and they suggested that we set up a way to make small, recurring, automatic donations. Several other podcasts already have that, and we thought it was a great idea, so we've made it happen. So now, if you choose to donate to us at escapepod.org, you get a second choice. The usual one-time donation in any amount you like, or a monthly $5 donation. Remember, we're still the only podcast out there that pays for content. We hope $5 is a small enough amount to be easy on you if you feel like giving. If you'd rather not, or if you can't afford to, there's no pressure at all. Keep enjoying the stories, and if you like them, tell your friends. So rednecks are killing rednecks. They have become their own food chain. We interrupt this broadcast for... Radio attention deficit disorder. This is a full-scale biological emergency. Funky podcast project. Hellbase, all those redneck motherfuckers. Cult leader, megalomania, and ruler of the space monkey universe. normal guy, just a single dad raising his two teenage kids, working a normal job, doing a podcast. There's no exception to the rule. You know, the taking over the world thing, it's not a big deal, I guess. It's just one of my hobbies. How dare you be apathetic with my show? Not called Radio ADD for nothing. The Monkey Podcast Project. Now, call me crazy, but I've got a soft spot for Monkey and his Radio ADD podcast. That soft spot is between my stomach and my pelvic bone, and my doctor says as long as I avoid spicy food and kickboxing, it's nothing to worry about. Meanwhile, if you enjoy funny music, clever sound design, and absolute total randomness, then Radio ADD is the podcast for you. Our music is by permission of Daikaiju. 
Consider, if the Copenhagen interpretation of quantum mechanics is correct, then in some alternate universe, Daikaiju is considered elevator music. I'll bet in that universe, they build taller buildings. That was our show for this week. I hope you're having a great Groundhog's Day. If you don't live in the U.S. and you don't know what Groundhog's Day is, it's a silly tradition that means if the president sees a shadow today, it's six more years of deficits. Let's all just stay inside, and we'll see you next week. <laughs>